We are back, baby! Welcome back to TRB. This is TRB Live. Thank you all so much for joining us on this live episode of the Resistance Broadcast. I'm John. That's James Bainey. And that is Lacey Gillerin. And our guest is a national news correspondent for Scripps News, co-author of Star Wars Timelines. Hopefully you have your copy. Mine is right there. Uh, the man with the most guest appearances on the Resistance broadcast, and most importantly, <laughs> a recent patron of the reborn Casa Bonita restaurant in so Denver, jealous. Colorado, your friend and ours, Clayton Sandell. What's up, Clayton? Hey, Resistance broadcasters. How's it going? <laughs> How you doing, man? Good, good. Hi, y'all. Good. I'm great. Now, I'm so glad to have you back, Clayton. Yeah, for sure. Happy to be here. Happy to be now, here. Now, before we get into the Casa Bonita stuff. I, right. I that's, that's what everybody wants to know about. Is, that's is, the most important thing. Honestly, um, I, you know, I said it off air. I, I stand by it. You've done tons of stuff like Mark Hamill interviewing him in Ireland and stuff. And I was like, forget that. How was Casa Bonita? <laughs> yeah. How was the food at Casa Bonita? Um, <laughs> before we get into that, uh, I want to say thanks to everybody. We did take a brief break, even though we technically didn't take a full week off because we had an episode every week. But Thanks for uh, standing by with us here. And thanks for, if you are joining us live, thank you so much. Uh, share this and, and make sure people know to, to come on in and have a good time. Or if you're listening on your favorite podcast app, either way, we thank you, thank you so much. Um, if you want your uh, comment read on the show, we have Super Chats available. We can get to those as well. Um, but yeah, Clayton, uh, let's get after the big topic of the day, uh, which is <laughs> the reborn Casa Bonita, which is now owned by Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Is that how that goes? Yeah, that's right. Uh, they, they bought it, spent a whole bunch of time, effort and money, uh, refurbishing it. And it has, it reopened, it reopened in June and it's kind of doing this weird, like soft opening. Like you can't, just go online and make reservations. You have to sign up for this, this like email lottery thing, which I did back in like, I want to say it was like March or April, whenever they (laughs) posted it. Yeah. And, and kind of figured, you know, it was all for naught. And then like two weeks ago, we got the email. Oh, Oh my God. Like Christmas. It was like Christmas. Yeah. And so, uh, so we went and we, we had been there once or twice before, uh, when our daughter, who's now a sophomore in college, uh, was like eight or nine. Uh, but that was the last time we had been there. And, uh, and I'm happy to say, Lacey, the food is pretty good. (laughs) It was awful in the past. Like it was, it was inedible. It, it was this wow microwaved gelatinous mass of big <laughs> cheese and grossness, and you just you but, leave Jabba the Hutt out of this. Yeah, but here's the thing: like you, the way they have set it up, and, and it's still this way. But you couldn't just go into Casa Bonita, order off the menu. It's it's sort of set up almost like an amusement park. You go in, you order first, and you actually carry your own plate and plates to your table and then sit down and and eat and do the whole thing. So you were locked in, like you couldn't just go in and check it out and whatever you had to, you had to buy the food. So they, they didn't, there was no incentive really to, to make it any good. So it was, wow. But now they brought in this, like, I want to say this, as I recall, it's like a a Michelin starred chef to come in and redo stuff. And it's still, you know, it's all pretty basic, but it actually is, is pretty good. And, uh, so we had a great time and, and they have 
everything is the same. So if, if you've seen the South Park episode or you've seen pictures of the, videos, yeah, of the old one. Yeah. Yeah. Like they still have the cliff divers. They still have black parts tied out. They still have uh, the arcade, all of that fun stuff. And uh but it's better. It's, it's sort of enhanced. Like Black Bart's Cave, for example, is this sort of like walk through cavern with, uh, you know, jump scare mannequins and stuff like that. Skeletons, <laughs> all that. Um, but now, uh, like the voices are Trey Parker and Matt Stone, like the oh character, character voices, the cowboys <laughs> and the monsters and the skeletons. Uh, it's all the South Park guys now. So little, little enhancements like that. And they've got a, a picture or they've got a table that's uh Cartman has Cartman yeah yeah That's so it's cool. Cartman's table you know photo spot where people there's a long line to to walk up and take your picture with with Cartman so um so yeah it's it's very cool uh but they're they're still kind of in this soft open period which has kind of made people mad because it's it's hard to get in unless you win this email list lottery thing um and it wasn't very crowded because they're just not opening it up very much so so that was well yeah that's good yeah, so it was like fun. And and yeah, you don't get sick uh, eating the food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you waited six months and then you got like a stomach flu from that place. Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The sopapillas, which were always pretty edible, uh, even in, in pre-South uh, Park guys days, um, are are even better now, if that's in constellation. That's, that's pretty good. All I right. just love that they recognize that that place was so cool to them that they were like, we're just going to buy this place and run. Yeah. Yeah. Make it tasty. Yeah. We don't know what we're in for, but we're going to do it. They also have buckets of money, like never ending money. So what are you going to do? You're going to, it's so on par with who they are that they were like, we're going to buy this. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. 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 But so far, so far they've done a good job. It'll just be, it'll be nice when they can kind of open it up and let more people in. Yeah. Right. right. Cool. Yes. Well, everybody can, there you go. See when they do Star Wars <laughs> when they when they decide to bring Star Wars Celebration back to Denver back to the oh my gosh town, uh, then you all can come come to Denver and we'll go hundred percent I'm in absolutely I'm a huge South Park fan I'm a huge Trey Parker fan so that's right up my alley yeah um, very cool all right uh, now we are going to get into what the subject of the episode is which we're is actually the- going to talk about Star Wars yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the closing of the studio where. ILM called home for uh, almost 30 years. Yeah. Um, but before that, Clayton, you have some news for yourself. You have an upcoming book coming out in March, March 4th on the schedule, unless uh, you know that changes. But March 4th, 2024, co-authored by Kelly Knox and S.T. Bend, uh, the visual archive of Return of the Jedi. So tell us about this, man. Congrats, first of all. One yeah. is not enough. Yeah, not thank enough. you. Thank you. It's, uh, yeah, I, I was super excited. It kind of came up uh, last uh, January, and um, I kind of did my work on it February into March a little bit. But yeah, it's this great like visual you know, celebration of, of 40 years of Return of the Jedi. And so it's like, uh, stories about the characters, uh, you know, behind the scenes stuff, costumes, props, uh, tons of concept art. Um, and it's the the thing that I love about it is that it really strives to kind of be this connective. T- it kind of points out all the connective tissue from Return of the Jedi to everything that has come yeah. after that. So like a lot of the concepts that you first saw 
in Return of the Jedi, uh, one of the things I wrote about were the the folding wing shuttles, right? Oh yeah, the cool. You know, now you know you see that it it just became a thing, and every yeah. behind you, every shuttle, every ship, yeah, now has the folding wings, and and so we kind of go through and just sort of you know detail these these really neat pathways between right. you know between right. the things that first showed up in in Jedi or or even like for example Coruscant uh in in the prequels started out as a city uh that was that was going to appear first in Jedi really? and there were, there were space whales floating around in the background according to the script what for Return is of that the- real yeah so uh it was it was going to be uh, a planet uh, where the rebels had a base, Seismon was the, the planet. And uh, so anyway, Macquarie, Rob Macquarie drew up all these plans for this city planet kind of thing. Wow. And, uh, that ended up being what they what they brought back to create Coruscant when Doug so, Chang was tired. Yeah. Where, so um, I'm, I'm sure there's things you probably can't talk about just yet, but um, is there anything that you can talk about that you learned for the first time was that one of them uh that, and, yeah and- that that was one of them i mean, i kind of kind of had an i kind of remembered you know once once i started to get into it but when you really got into the extent of of some of these things um uh then yeah a lot a lot of it was new to me and a lot of the images that they picked out of the archives were new to me and and i kind of feel like i've seen a lot of the if not most of the behind the scenes books but they still it was cool seeing some new images that i that i hadn't seen before so that's it's kind of fun are there things in the book that are new to everybody totally exclusive for the book or is it just more of a collection yeah i it's there i'm trying to think because i think it's um I, i think there will be some new some new tidbits in there yeah i actually think there are yeah very cool good yeah going out in march yeah, congrats on that. Um, did it feel any? Did it feel different from Star Wars timelines, and or did it feel? Yeah. Did, did the experience with Star Wars timelines help you with this, or completely two different animals? It's kind of two different animals. The thing that I really liked about it, it was it was really um, in my wheelhouse in terms of my my love of all things behind the scenes so that that was really cool. it's like i that's where i I went back that's what i was already most familiar with um and so getting to go back and and really dive into some of that stuff a lot of the minutiae and and stuff that i had forgotten about was was really cool so yeah it was it was fun and uh yes there's some new there's a new (laughs) there's a new uh uh, I, i talked to doug chang a little bit for this book um to get some new stuff in there. So yeah, it was neat. It was neat kind of compiling and contributing uh, in a new and different way, but, but having it be in that sort of semi behind the scenes realm was, was right up my alley. So that was fun. I love Is that. this your last book? Is it my last book? Yeah. No. <laughs> but the next one I can't talk about yet. Oh, this one was just announced. We're not there yet. Yeah, yeah. Let the other one come out, Lacey. Jeez. You know what, Clayton? I'm, I just know Clayton's got a dream of having a shelf. So I, I there you go. Yeah. I'm just gonna <laughs> blow the lid off this thing because you know whatever. I didn't sign an NDA. Clayton's doing the visual archive of Casa Bonita, and that's coming out <laughs> in yeah. pop up form, pop up books. 
pop. It also has sounds. The buttons on the side, yeah. like little yeah. yeah. Carbon speaks. Scratch and sniff section. Yeah. Yeah. I need to clear some space on the resistance blue uh, yes. wall here and put the shelf right. right over there. I I want a Clayton shelf, so let's keep this go. going. Very cool. Well, you know we're happy for you. Uh, <laughs> we're rooting for you, and we'll have to have you back on uh, when that comes out. Um, and congrats to your co-authors uh, too. Um, yeah, it's a good team. Yeah, no doubt. Um, all right, now you also are a news correspondent, and you did some corresponding uh, for the former home of ILM, I believe, from seventy-eight to oh five. Is that right? Yeah, oh five, oh six. Yeah. The, okay. The, the, I think the move was was final, final in oh six. So everything to- after the original Star Wars movie. Uh, the stuff was made there. Um, so before we get into, cause you brought clips with you of your interviews with Dennis Murin, we'll get to Joe Johnston, uh, a clip of John Knoll speaking about the place. But before we get to that, can you just sort of take us inside that farewell event? What was the tone of it? Was it somber? Was it, was it tepid? Like what was the vibe of the overall vibe of that closing of that, uh, now, um iconic location that wasn't just for star wars too you could probably touch on no in fact yeah 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 in fact uh yeah we should probably start there because um yeah in 1978 is when they they moved into it to do uh empire and then of course jedi but then when the trilogy ended it was like now we got to do other stuff and so they started doing star trek and i think someone told me that poltergeist some of the poltergeist stuff was the first um uh, were the first scenes actually shot on the soundstage that they built there. Um, and then, you know, pick your blockbuster from the eighties and nineties. And, you know, they were all, they were all, all, all of the effects, you know, back to the future, ghostbusters, Indiana uh, Jones, Indiana Jones, uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. The, the planes, you know, planes crashing and going through the tunnels and all of that, that was all shot in the parking lot out there. Um, yeah, Terminator movies, Transformers, uh, Pirates movies. Uh, so, so James Cameron was in there doing stuff too. Then so there like- was a lot. There was a lot being done there. And in fact, I was going to play some of the the speech that John Knoll gave, where he rattles off all of the movies that had been done there. But it was like too long. It went on for like a minute uh, when he was, he was reciting all of this stuff. And uh, yeah, this this so this can't but. Also, not just just movies, but this this campus became the place where uh, I walked into Ed Catmull's office, right where they were de- uh, developing the Pixar computer. Uh, wow! The THX, the, the the mixing stage that they built there, that was the original THX certified. That's where all the the testing was done for THX movie theaters. Um, so you know this this campus became this just innovation factory and um you know it's it's smaller than it was like some some of the uh, older buildings have been sold off long ago uh but the two that remain is the original um ilm industrial uh building which you see in in light and magic there's a there's a part of one of the episodes where they show that building uh and then they pan over and you can see that there's a, a vacant lot right next to it and in that vacant lot is where they eventually built something called C building, which was uh, a purpose built soundstage where they could shoot all of these things. Uh, right next to it was that 
THX theater. And then there were offices and things uh, facing the street. And to, to walk in there, you know, we were walking, we were walking through the halls where like George Lucas had his editing rooms and and where uh, all of these, all of these things were developed on the, you know, in in some of the back rooms and down the hall is where, you know, Dennis Murin was helping develop dinosaurs for Jurassic park. I mean, it's just this, um, this place where Jean Bolte, who is also in, in light and magic. And she, she worked on, um, labyrinth and then uh came mm-hmm. to ilm did the uh, transformation uh, morphing scene in willow mm-hmm. uh and then worked on oh yeah right right yeah worked on a number of island projects over the years in fact she just retired uh, after having uh worked on um indiana jones and the dial of destiny um i'm re-watching light and magic she, like as soon as possible <laughs> oh yeah so great yeah, yeah but she she said and she was absolutely right she goes everywhere you look and everywhere you go in this place uh, is history and the place is filled with treasures. And so the first funny thing that happened is, is the day after this big gathering, which I promise I'll get to here in a second, but the, we were standing around in one of the warehouses we had interviewed been, been following around Sean house. Who's one of the co-owners. He manages the fabrication and model shop. And we walked up to, um, well, first of all, he was standing there having a conversation with somebody about Anakin's pod racer from Phantom Menace. And, and they were talking about this pod racer. And Sean goes, oh, you know, I think I have a piece of that pod racer here somewhere. And he <laughs> kind of like disappears, comes back a few minutes later, and he's, he's carrying this piece, which is about this big. And it's the part of the pod racer, you know, where the beam connects the engine? Yeah. Where it connects to the engine, the little circular connection point, he had that piece. And it was just like sitting in a cabinet <laughs> or a closet somewhere in the back. And he brought it out and he's like, oh, here it is. And oh, it's part of screen used. Anakin. Is there a lot of stuff like that there? Just yeah, on the there's a lot of there's a lot of that sort of um, just bits and pieces of things. And so we went up to th- this. This blew me away. So we went up to the model shop and the model shop. Uh, you know, where, where all of these things were built, where the, the Lord. I was going to say, if we've learned anything, John Favreau's like, make models so you get to keep them. That's what he's <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like like the room where they built the DeLorean and all of the. Oh, my God. Come on. So we're in there. And, and one side of the, the wall or one side of the room is just a wall full of stuff, like plastic pieces, model pits, parts of model kits. There's like a whole section of just greeblies you know uh, that that are that are in these these drawers uh all sorts of different like you walk over and you pull something out and it's like plastic ladders and sean house was saying lauren peterson uh his trick whenever building a model was to put a ladder on it because he said everybody knows the scale of a ladder so you put a ladder on something and you it immediately oh, that's pretty cool wide, right? <laughs> but there's this cabinet in there and sean goes over and he, he opens this cabinet drawer and we're kind of like just rummaging through it and he pulls out this big plate of, of thin brass material. It's got all these little uh, strips on it. And he goes, this is leftover etched printed brass that they used to build the Death Star 2 model. So, you get, so Return of the Jedi, I don't know if you've seen it, but they have a Death Star. 
but it's only half do have built. a Death Star. Yeah, it's only half built, and all of these little things, all these little pieces, are these these etched brass pieces, and they still have them sitting in the drawer. At, oh, you got one! And so he picks one out and he goes, "Here, just take that one." What? So this, this is what it looks like. This, these you got to frame that, man. These are the pieces, right? So these are. These were yes. just left over, and uh, so this is what you know. They they were mounted vertically, and they were mounted horizontally to make up all of the girders of Death Star Two. In oh my god, Return of the Jedi. All you need is your wife to see it and be like, "What is this?" and then throw it yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> keeping it in a very safe place. But you can see it's like very very thin material, which is why that model is has not held up over the years because it's so right. thin and everything's bending. But that's the kind of stuff that is sitting around in now, in the hallways. Now, hol- holiday Cabinet. parties at the uh, Sandell house, like, is there a certain group of people where you're like, if I show them this, they're going to think I'm a really weirdo nerd. And then there's other people that are yeah. going to be like, oh, my God. Just yeah. like, other people are going to be, why are you showing me this piece of tin? Well, here, here's something else I can show you. So, so just just to give the, the very brief history so you kind of mentioned it so ILM moves out in 2006 but the a lot of ILM alumni formed this company called Kerner Optical mm-hmm. uh, they were around for several years did a bunch of stuff and then went out of business and then even more uh, ex ILMers took over and created 3210 um but not only were Star Wars, Return of the Jedi, um, the prequels, you know, they built more models for the prequels than like the entire original trilogy combined, I think somebody said. So all of that stuff was built there, uh, filmed there in the parking lots and things like that. But 3210 continued to participate in Star Wars. And so in the model room, and I'll have to, we're going to do a longer version of the story that uh, we did for Scripps News uh where we just kind of put everything together but uh 3210 version yeah yeah the very nerdy version mm-hmm. uh, 3210 built a practical they, they built a practical model of the falcon for solo um they built uh and and did a bunch of stuff for rogue one uh and they did stuff for uh rise of skywalker so in that movie i think we have a picture of it uh, you'll remember. Oh, yes. You'll remember the Star Destroyer, the Planet Killer, comes in and destroys Kajimi. So poor that, Kajimi. yeah, yeah, poor Boom. Kajimi. What a waste! That planet <laughs> uh, was actually a, a practical model that was built and painted at thirty-two ten, and then uh, Roger Guyette and crew came in and they actually rigged it with. Uh, I want to say they told me like forty-five different explosions that were all (laughs) timed because if you watch it in slow motion they thought they shot it at a thousand frames a second and then set off all of these explosives and uh it so it gives this like multi multi explosion it's unique when you're watching the movie it doesn't look like a cg right like they put it together it looks like there's something organically happening yeah, and, and you can actually, uh, I had not seen this video until somebody mentioned this to me, but um, on the 3210, uh, I think it's our Facebook page, you can actually go, there's a little featurette that talks about the destruction of Kajimi. Oh, nice. 
it's really cool. It's it's fun because the the way they do it is is similar to the way they did the Death Stars and and everything else, where it's above you and the camera's below, so that everything comes at you when it explodes. Holy uh, cow! Tactile right. stuff just looks better. I say that. Yeah, time. yeah, yeah. Uh, but the other the, so the other thing that that I walked out of there with was a piece of Kajimi. <laughs> <laughs> oh no really you gotta get these frames so this thing, yeah so it's yeah. like this this like i don't even know what material this is it's, it sort of feels like, like concrete or core. i was gonna say oh, it no. looks like concrete yeah it's sort of this thick bubbly uh plaster concrete material which just very roughly painted with some terrain on it some light and blue light That's light dark light dark cool, blue man. patterns and uh so how anyway, big was the I, kajimi uh model uh, it had to be pretty big, considering it was probably, you know diameter-wise, it was probably uh, like feet. five or six feet. Yeah, it was only it was only half of the planet, so it was only, oh, okay. it was only half dome, I guess. Uh, That's really cool. Really so, quick yeah. to, to go back, I did pull this up back to the original thing you were looking at. Here's the Death Star close-up for video viewers. Ah, there you go. Yeah, you can see in that model that it's just made up of those pieces that Clayton was holding up to the camera earlier. So yeah, Clayton has a piece of the Death Star. That's so wild. And he well, didn't have to go to Kef like, Beer yeah, for it or piece, anything. A piece that was uh, that was not used. Like they just yeah. they printed a, a whole bunch of these things and then didn't didn't end up using all of them. But uh, uh, you don't have to say that part. You yeah, that part. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Almost screen used. How's that? <laughs> now, if they completed the Death Star two, if the Rebels didn't destroy it, your piece would have been on the Death Star. Let's right. Right. That. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. that's how I like uh, he, wow, man. He, oh, got, yeah, so he got a piece of the Death Star that's in the Star Wars canon. It's just wherever it was being manufactured, <laughs> it had it wasn't shipped there yet. Right. Yeah. 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 Wow, yeah. man. Exactly. So, so, so you, I mean, you're doing a book on visual archives for Return of the Jedi, so it's like kind of perfect in a way. Did you get any inclination? that this stuff is going to be archived somewhere? Is it going to go to Lucasfilm South, North? Is it going to go in a museum uh, like Indiana Jones would want? Like wh wh what's going yeah. on with all this stuff? I, 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 think they're, they're, I think they're working that out right now. So a lot of it, um, a lot of the, the things that are in there uh, are going to be auctioned off. And, and in fact, that auction uh, starts next Friday, but the items are already on the, on the website. So it's, it's stuff like... Um, uh, it's a lot of like old, uh, you know, the Apple boxes that they use on sets to yeah. make things higher or lower people stand on and whatever. Uh -huh. So there's some old like ILM state that say ILM stage printed on them that just never left the building. Um, so a lot of that stuff that. will just be be auctioned off. I, now, I know there's uh, I, I don't know the, the current status of it, but they were trying to figure out a way to at least. um isolate and and preserve the model shop what's left in the in the model shop because all of those pieces took you know decades to to collect and so many things were built in that room uh it was the same room that phil tippett had his creature shop for return of the jedi like there's just so much oh, history in the place and uh yeah, it's you walk in there and I, I sort of like had to take a minute because it was like, I've been looking at pictures of this place forever and I've never been here before. And, you know, it's one thing to like see where somebody was building a model or the stage where, you know, this the stage where Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher shot the speeder bike. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On a blue screen, uh, you know, all of that stuff. And um so it was it was kind of heady. It was kind of a heady experience to walk in there and go, "Wow, this is what's really kind of 
what yeah, part happened? Absolutely. What parts of the building, for lack of a better term, for you felt like you were in a like a you took a time machine, so to speak? Yeah, I think it was in the. Uh, I think it was in back the, to the future uh, room, the lobby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it was in the lobby of uh, of the C, of the C building because. Uh, if you've ever seen pictures of like the inside of uh, that, that sort of arts and crafts style that George Lucas likes, it's like the the wood surfaces and the green <laughs> carpet and the brass fixtures and all of that. Like if you look, you can Google like egg company building Lucasfilm, like the old headquarters that they had in Hollywood. Um, it looked the C building still looks like that. Oh, Wow. In, in the lobby, like it's that same wood, the brass fixtures, the, the dark sort of rich green carpet, like that, that's all still there. And that was a that was a, a, a Lucas touch, Mar Marsha Lucas as well. So I think I think being in there because it really it, it reminds me of uh, of of buildings uh, and interiors like the the production building at Skywalker Ranch, for example, is is very similar style. And uh so it, it was easy to imagine uh, what was going on there back in the back in the wow. Um And then, yeah, just walking up up the stairs and into this this theater that they built. That was the first theater. Not only was it the THX uh, uh, testing grounds, but it was the first theater that a Star Wars movie um I'll put it this way. So, so Star Wars and Empire were both mixed down in LA because they didn't have a facility to do it themselves. So they did it down South. This was the first time that they could do it themselves uh, with this studio. So with this theater, this mixing theater. And so that was, it was where Ben Burt mixed return of the Jedi. Uh, oh. And uh, yeah. So, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, but yeah, so, so they had this, gathering and what it was supposed to be originally was the visual effects society has a like an annual barbecue kind of thing and then when the news came down that they were actually probably going to close the doors and we can talk about why that is um they kind of turned it into this big going away thing so you had like 400 plus uh former employees uh alumni supporters all kind of coming together to for this big farewell evening Wow. Now you, um, in, in your featurette on Scripps News, there was a segment where you were in the theater with Ben Burt. Yeah. Was that, were you able to, uh, I mean, I know you're a pro's pro, but how present were you able to be in speaking with him knowing that you were in that theater where, you know, he did work on Return of the Jedi and he's such a legend in himself. And that theater itself looks like you're talking about the C building. It looks like it's almost like frozen in time mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, it, it's always so hard to talk to uh, somebody like Ben Burt because, you know, he starts talking and then it reminds you of something and you just start thinking about all of the stuff. That he's done. <laughs> oh, OK. And, you know, that image of uh, him with the, the guy wires and the microphone. And <laughs> exactly. Yeah, all of that just sort of comes flooding back and it's like, oh, my God, you're Ben Burt. And he's wearing in the story that we aired, uh, which is on scriptsnews.com, by the way, if you want to go check it out. But he's wearing this old sprocket systems hat, which, you know, the bill, that's when that's what they called the the sound and editing departments uh, <laughs> before it became uh, Skywalker sound and they moved up to the ranch. But uh, 
Yeah, it's 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 tough because as you're standing in this, uh, you know, everybody's kind of gathered on this big soundstage. And you look around and it's like, oh, there's Lauren Peterson. There's Joe Johnston. There's, you oh know, my God. like everywhere you looked it, within your view was somebody that you would easily, you know, recognize from all these behind the scenes uh, shots that we're all so familiar with. So it was just like, you know, throw a rock and hit a legend. Jimmy and hit a legend. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um but yeah, so ran into um ran into Dennis Murin uh, and and he was he was funny because he was kind of, you know, indifferent, but we have a, a a section of the interview here where we talked to him and and so I asked him, you know, what if this place what if this place goes away? What are you going to do? And I thought he had kind of a kind of a funny answer. Yeah, let's pull it up. This is four magic walls and a giant space. I was thinking, if they tear this building down, I'm going to come here before they take it down and just suck the air out of it and put it in some canisters. So at least the air of the building is still around. And uh, occasionally I can open it up and say, oh, I remember that. I remember the smell of all the machinery going in there and the, you know, the pyro blowing up and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, you talk about pyro blowing up. It's like we were 10 feet from the spot where they set up uh, the outdoor section of, of Endor and, and did the two logs on the on the uh, ATST and blew it up. You know, it's like that was all right, right there. He, uh, just yeah. like listening to him talk about it, it, you know, a 75 year old man, whatever. But like yeah. he's channeling the 12 year old from we saw in light and magic playing with his mic his making his own special effects and stuff like that's all still yeah. that childlike wonder and love and nerdiness is still right there with him talking yeah. about the air and wanting to bottle it up like oh my god yeah there's something about like if, if there's any way that you could package like the historical value of something and take it out of the building before something happens um, that's the, the dream of his is to be able to somehow collect all that history. Um, if it's possible, he says, suck out the air, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Just, uh, I, I think there was a lot of people that were just kind of walking around, just trying to, to soak it in one last time, um, before, before they go. And so we didn't really touch on why this place is closing and I'll kind of go through that. Really I was going to ask you that super quick. Yeah. So, you know, obviously, uh, it, it's been a you know a long slow uh, death for practical effects as as obviously more more things are Gosh. done in the computer. Um, so that you know that started with Jurassic Park. I mean, I, I asked you know when was the beginning of the end, and they all everybody says Jurassic Park. Um, but well, so, look at Phil Tippett, that whole repressing yeah. sequence in Light and Magic where he's like, wait, you don't want me to make the dinosaurs? Like right. that whole section was so sad. Yeah, exactly. And so that's that's yeah. kind of, you know, the beginning, right? So there was a less demand over the years for, for practical effects. Right. Uh, and then in recent years, just, um, uh, you know, some of, the, some of the other owners have wanted to retire. Um, mm. And then they got hit with the pandemic. Uh, so there was, there was less work to go around. And then the, the final nail in the coffin, and which is one of the reasons why we, we wanted to do this story because we'd kind of been doing stories like this, but uh, was the, the actor and writer strikes. They, uh, they said that they had three movies this year that they were supposed to work on. 
Uh, and obviously all three of those movies uh, were, were put on hold. So it was like, that was the, that was the final nail. And then uh, they were trying to work out a deal with the landlord um, uh, to, to let them stay. And the landlord wasn't really interested in, in, uh, working with them, they have plans, to, I guess, to repurpose the buildings and either tear them down and build offices or put offices in there. I'm not entirely sure. But uh, yeah, so it was like this crazy, perfect storm of all these these circumstances. Um, and they just decided, you know what, because you can't you can't just pick up and move uh, yeah. to another industrial building because it's not just an industrial building. It's the soundstage. It's the mixing stage. It's all of this. Right. It's very specifically purpose-built stuff. And the other thing that was really interesting, speaking of blowing up Kijimi, uh, is that they uh, had this, uh, they at 3210, have a permit, like this blanket permit that allows them to use pyrotechnics to blow stuff up. Uh, and they were, you know, after 9-11, the federal government, the ATF, cracked down on uh, and the restrictions became much greater on on companies that had access to explosives, right? Mm -hmm. Thirty two ten was sort of blank was grandfathered in, but it's specific to that address. So if they moved somewhere oh. else, they would no longer be able to just arbitrarily blow up stuff when they want. It would be a oh wow permitting process, mm -hmm. separate insurance, like all of these things, and it's just like the costs just would become way too prohibitive wow. to 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 move the operation. And so uh, the writing was just kind of on the wall. And so oh. the landlord has given them until October 31st to be entirely out. But so that's why they're, they're having this auction uh, next Friday uh, to kind of get, get things out. But yeah, it's really sad. a perfect storm of, of things happening. Can I ask you a question? Cause every time this, this landlord gets mentioned, whether it's in your article or like other people and stuff, it feels like there's a little bit of a villainous thing there. Is it like, like, no, I mean, it's fine. He's got to do what he's got to do. Or is it like, come on, dude. Like, is he really being a jerk? And is he solely like kind of responsible for, well, you know, we, we reached out to to the landlord. She actually, uh, it, it's a she, she inherited uh, the place from her uh, father. Mm -hmm. um, and she never did, she never did uh, call us back. So all I know is is what uh, the folks at 3210 have said. And right. what they have said is that uh, she, she claimed that um, she could have basically been making a lot more money off of them, uh, off of that space over the years and has kind of been giving them a break all along and I think was just sort of fed up uh, and, and ready to, to move on. Um, yeah. A couple of the stories, like a couple of the stories um, local, local outlets did uh, and, and sort of framed it as an eviction. And they're like, we're not being evicted. This is yes. Right. She's not working with us to, on, on you know, sort of some last minute plans. Sean house, who is in our story, uh, for example, was trying to line up some investors to, to take the place over and uh, raise some money that they could kind of pay rent in advance. Uh, and uh, I, I just I think after all this time, it just sounds like the landlord just just wasn't wasn't interested. I, I don't think I don't think has any particular axe to grind uh, against the company or, or the history of the place. But I think it's just. Uh, uh, looking at it more as a strictly business decision, which is too is bad. It, yeah. Is it off the beaten path? It's, um, <laughs> it's like, you guys right have been off. done since 93. You all it's, saw Jurassic Park. <laughs> I've been letting you hang around. 
Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's in a kind of industrial part of San Rafael. There's, it's not really a, a it's it's really not notable for anything. It's just a bunch of industrial buildings around. Um, there's there's no. I mean, down the street, I guess there's some restaurants and and a main street that leads to the 101 uh, freeway. But uh, no, there's nothing particularly nice. It doesn't feel like gentrification or anything like that is going yeah. on. It's it's. I think it would still be an industrial park, uh, even after 3210 is gone. It doesn't, it, it's not like it's going to be, you know, high end, uh, high rise apartments or something. Right. Like you no gonna, chance. Yeah. And based on its environment, yeah. like it'd be weird to like, try to do something where you made that a museum. It would just be sitting in an industrial park. Like, look, I'll say it. Landlords yeah. suck. <laughs> I'll, not, I'll say um, yeah, well, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Landlords suck. Get a real job. That's all I'm going to say. And there I will openly go. say that. And um, do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the, I was just going to say that the theater thing you were talking about with Ben Burt, like in, in your clip on Scripps News with him, he felt a little emotional about it. Like thinking about the fact that this is like understanding the reality of the finality of it and understanding that. Once this is gone, it's gone, and yeah. it like we, they're never gonna make this again. So this isn't yeah. like one of those things where like, yeah, they're just moving it down the street or something. It's like no, this is it. This is gone, and you can almost see him looking at it and the way you guys captured it and delivered it. Like it felt yeah. very. Uh, he felt very like understanding of the fact that of the finality of it, and like having a hard time coming to grips with that. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think I think a little bit. I mean, he spent a lot of time in this room. It's not only where they they mixed films, but also where uh, they would they would look at dailies every day. You know, when they were the the sort of when they would film something and come back and watch it the next day. That was all done in that room, um, and it's it's engineered in a way that you're right. It it can't ever be recreated. Like the the floor of this theater has its own foundation that is separate from the rest of the foundation of the building so that it is isolated from vibrations. uh, Oh, oh, wow. You know, if they set off a pyro explosion right next door in the soundstage, that might, you know, vibrate through the walls or whatever. But that's, so they designed all of this, uh, this, this special, um, uh, special engineering just to make it, uh, as isolated as they possibly could. So yeah, it's, it's, um, I've got a, in fact, the, the picture in the story, um, is Ben Burt sitting there mixing and, uh, you can see all the lights and he goes, it's, it, it reminds, it always reminded us. And I don't think it was purposeful, but it always reminded us of the death star docking bay because the lights, the way yeah, it does look like that. Around. Yeah. What, what are those seats like, by the way? I know they're auctioning some of them off, but was it yeah, like they, they are auctioning them off? They're very comfortable. And with the, here's the other thing is like they built that theater, um, you know, in the early 80s. And it was it's got stadium seating like theaters weren't built with stadium. That's a good point. Yeah, they were yeah. yeah, in the 80s. And it's got stadium seating and the seats are are super comfortable. <laughs> Did he say like this was where I sat to make sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's a there's a one one row. The, the whole console isn't there that he that he used to use, the giant thing. But you can still see there is a small desk uh, there where he used to work. And then there was a desk in front of that where uh, George used to sit and watch the dailies and 
give feedback and things like oh that. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I know. before, you know, this was all the place, th- this is where everything was done until they finished the production building up at, um, the tech building up at Skywalker Ranch and, and moved everything up there. But yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I know people like a couple years ago, uh, maybe like 10 years ago or so, they, um, our, our city like got a grant to, build more high school or build like a new building for the high school. And in the process of that, they tore down a lot of the old buildings. And I remember a lot of people were even upset about that. And I was like, the memories that people have of going to high school in those years are what, four years, you know, and maybe a couple extra, maybe they hung around a little bit. Um, But like to compare that to someone who not only was there like for so many years um, of their career, just in that building, creating and creating and creating every day, but also the the stuff that was put out of there is like worldwide historical stuff. It's like, you know, it's not just a guy who was there all the time. And it's a shame yeah. that the building's being shut down. It's like, right. you know, everybody knows the stuff we produced. Everybody knows the stuff we produced. It's it is kind of crazy. I, I do know there are some other interviews, too, where. Um, the well, they were that's... talking about it's just just a building. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So so Joe Johnston was funny because he gets up in front of this crowd and everybody uh, there, there were several speakers, uh, so, some former uh, heads of ILM and uh, uh, Dennis Murin and, and Joe Johnston. And they, uh, Joe gets up and he says to the crowd, he goes, what I'm about to say, you may not like. And don't <laughs> boo me. Boo Dennis when he comes up after me and <laughs> kind of laughs. But he goes. He goes, this, uh, this, this place is, was like watching, uh, a, a, a sick relative, you know, like a slow death. Like, oh. <laughs> and, he, and then he goes on to, to sort of redeem himself and he, and he does, he talks about, he talked about, you know, the thousands of, of memorable shots that, uh, that mm-hmm. were done here that will, that will live on. But yeah, if you, uh, I've got, we've got a bit of the interview we did with him where he talks about, uh, addresses that a little bit. Right. Well, you know, I, I came up here in 1978, and I left in 1984. You know, I came back for, for the visual effects on the shows that I was doing, but, but I don't think I have quite the emotional connection to this place that a lot of people do. You know, it's not about the building. I'm not sorry to see it go. The stuff that was done here, the visual effects that are in these thousands of movies, they're going to live forever. Uh, and that's something that you know, people can always be proud of. This is just a, it's a, first of all, it's a ghost of its former self and it will never, ever be what it was. So I say, let it go. Wow. So, you know, spoken like a true frozen fan. You had two extremes. Uh, Yeah. You had two, two extremes there. One, one person wants to save uh, all the air in the building and the other one could, could kind of care less. And I, you know, I think that's, he may be trying to kind of make the, the best of, uh, Right. Of a bad situation. But he's he's right. I mean, he, he was only there for six years and he has expressed this to me before. Uh, you know, he, he, he was only there for for six years and then went off to have a very successful career directing a bunch of movies. And so, yeah, so I just I just don't think he has quite the I, I would I would not expect him to have the the same kind of emotional connection to the place. But when I <laughs> watched his clip my thought was, you know, 
it's kind of going to be weird to say, but like he may be like the only real sane one, whereas we all have that emotional connection to things and we're like, oh, that should never be destroyed. But you think about the history of like humanity. There's been so many things over the years that are legendary buildings and structures and the Parthenon, you know what I mean? Like all these things that have been destroyed uh, yeah. because of like a fire or a war or you know something and we still have a lot of those things but at some point a lot of those uh paintings or structures like one day the the louvre will catch fire and we'll lose like you know <laughs> a thousand pieces yeah. masterpieces and and it's just that is the way of life sometimes and the way he's looking at it is like look it doesn't it's not going to actually erase the history of what was created there um yeah but yeah. the building itself i don't have the connection to and it's almost sort of like it's a pro he's probably processing it better than most honestly yeah yeah i think i think that's probably true and uh and, and actually ben burt and i talked about this a little bit too and it's just this it's almost to be expected when you're talking about hollywood because you know the, the, so many of the old studios for example have um, you know, torn down their old backlot sets and, yeah. and things like that. And so, you know, they, mm-hmm. they are, they are <laughs> the, oftentimes the Ninja temporary. turtle costumes are just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, props and props and things are, are not made to, to last right. forever. They're, they're made to be used on screen for a very short period of time. And, and, uh, and that's, that's about it. So, yeah. So I think there's just a, yeah, I think you're right though. I think he's, he maybe is taking probably the healthiest, uh, view of them all. Would you say between the 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 sappy reflection of Dennis Murin and Ben Burt uh, juxtaposed against uh, the just not cold, but the sort of like I'm yeah. I'm over it of Joe Johnston? Like which the, all those people in the room, which uh, represents the masses that were there saying goodbye? Uh, I, I think definitely more on the, the Dennis Murin scale of things. For sure. I think, I yeah. think, uh, you know, the, the, there were people there, there are people still in that building that have been there. Uh, a guy named Marty Brennis, for example, has been there, uh, still since 1978. Like there, there are people who have been there that long. And so I think it, um, you know, people, people met their spouses in that building people, you know, uh, John Goodson, who, um, uh, appears in, in light and magic to, um, said something to me. He, he, he said, you know, this was a place where, uh, we were a family. And he said one time there was a, a, a member of the crew, uh, somebody who worked here who was killed in a motorcycle accident and people just instinctually came to that building. Like it, it was just the place that, uh, it, it was a physical space that, that, oh, wow to people. And so I think that, uh, uh, people, people were definitely more on the, the, the Dennis Murin, uh, side of things. John Goodson, by the way, uh, while I'm thinking of him is a mo- longtime model builder, ILM model builder, um, and, and also created and or built the, uh, Ahsoka's is it the T six, uh, ship mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ahsoka's ship that is in the series now, John built that model and he fabricated much of it at 3210 on the same vacuum form, you know, plastic vacuum form machine 
that was purchased back in 1975 <laughs> at the old original ILM building mm -hmm. uh, in Van Nuys, California. So just wow, a, just another. Uh, you know. I really that was one of the things that stuck out to me from the initial in Chicago at Star Wars Celebration Chicago, like that panel with the Mandalorian. Right. Nothing made me geek out more than when John Favreau was talking about how he brought back all these original people to make the models because that's what he wanted. He wanted that in his show. Yeah. And to like see all these guys be like, oh, I heard you're working on this model. I got stuff in my garage. Like it yeah. seems very much that that was the mentality of this space and this community and these people that worked here that I understand it's heartbreaking when that safe space is gone. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of speaking of garages and, and people who do work in their garage, um, John Knoll was there, who is executive creative something at ILM. I forget his, his exact title these days. <laughs> only but, created Photoshop. That's why I tell people. I'm like, yeah, I don't really understand. I worked on Photoshop in that <laughs> building. Um, yeah. Um, but, you know, he, he has always been because he, he sort of came on as a visual effects supervisor for The Phantom Menace. And. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, they, they built this tremendous, tremendous amount of models for the Phantom Menace because they were still at that time better than what they could do on the computer. Now, they actually right. got away from that for the other two prequel films. But uh, I kept asking people, like, it's like, so what that 3210 is is going away? What is it about a practical effect that, um, you know, is is still better and whether it was Dennis Muren or like the the Kajimi effect for example there is there is this what they what I kept hearing from people was that there is this randomness that occurs with a practical effect a a, a natural randomness in nature that your brain recognizes as being real right versus something that's that's created in a in a computer and so uh, I think people like John Knoll really still appreciate that, and mm -hmm. uh, that's that's why he he volunteered to <laughs> build a model motion control system in his garage. But uh, he sounds, that sounds similar to Uncanny Valley. Like there's something that we yeah. recognize as yep. humans. We can look at it and we can say. I know yeah. that's not real. I can tell that's not real. Mm -hmm. And there's that it's probably another sort of form of that. Could we, I know in today's age, we see a lot about like recognizing yeah. faces because it's one of the last real things we're working on. But, um, you know, what you're um, describing there sounds like a, a, another sort of version of that where it's like, you know, Hey, if you build it and it's yeah. tangible, people can tell that that's yeah. real. Yeah. And, and a few people told me that that it's sort of ironic that uh, that the company is going out of business because there is this sort of resurgence lately of, uh, right. you know, digital versus practical. And there's a generation of filmmakers coming up now who uh, are in a position to make decisions and they grew up with all these practical effects and they want to go back. Yeah. Or at least or at least incorporate practical. I mean, J.J. Abrams. It's a big right. thing with TFA. In, into, yeah. yeah, into what they're doing now. And so 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 there has been a bit of a resurgence, unfortunately, not not quite enough. Quick enough, to, yeah. To oh. keep to keep things afloat. But yeah, it was it was kind of a it was kind of an a, a emotional night. And I think um, you hear some of that. We have a clip of uh, of John Knoll talking about um, talking about uh, the place when, when he came in and sort of what he thinks about all this. 
Yeah. And on a personal note, 37 years ago, I walked in that front door and was instantly made to feel welcome, part of an amazing and formidable group of the most talented people around. And to everybody who helped build this place and make the incredible art produced here, Aww. a deep and sincere thank you for all you did and for welcoming me to be a small part of that. I have a deep fondness for this site. The work done here was historic, important, and culturally significant. Even if it's not officially recognized as such, the work that you did here makes this place a historic cultural landmark. Yeah. I get, I get choked up watching him say that. Yeah. yeah. I just want to give him a hug. And also, yeah. him saying that is incredible just because of the impact he's had on filmmaking and digital yeah, yeah. And, and also, I, him yeah, being I, a fan of those people first, right? So he he's also sort of our eyes while also being inside. So his take I find very interesting because he walked in there and wrote them letters. You know, it's in Light and Magic about how he yeah. was interested, wanted to come there and stuff. And now he's there, and I think he I could see why he is more emotional about it than maybe Joe Johnston is, and I find that yeah. very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think it weighed on him uh, pretty heavily because you're right. He, he he walking into that physical space in in uh, Van Nuys down down in Southern California is where he has often talked about, and he says it in Light and Magic where he found his people. Uh, yeah. So I th I think it was weighing very heavily on him that that those people and that place and the the what it kind of all represents for him is not going to be there anymore. Um, I, I think it was tough, tough to take. I think it was, it was, it was hard to watch. Was How there much any is being destroyed actually? So it's not entirely clear. It's not clear whether they are going to simply gut the existing structure and replace it with just, you know, office, office space, um, mm -hmm. or, or actually tear the buildings down. Um, it would be, uh, I, I can't imagine, I, I don't know how, what you would do with the building if you just kind of gutted it, because it is this very specific, you know, a soundstage is built in a very specific way with very specific parameters. And, and I don't know how you just rip that out and, and put something else in there. So uh, I guess it kind of remains to be seen. I, no, nobody really knows, knows for sure yet. Um, so we'll have to, we'll have to kind of, kind of see, but. Um, we have, we're going to get to a super chat in just a moment, but real quick, Clayton, I wanted to ask, was there any, um, I don't want to say like on the record comment or anything, but anything from George Lucas about this building, uh, knowing that it's going out, has anybody heard from him? Did he make any statement? Uh, uh no, he, he, he didn't, not, not that I know of. I know that, uh, I know that some folks at 3210 did, uh, did reach out to him, um, but uh, he, he wasn't there, and I, I don't think they heard back from him. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, Lacey, let's get to that super chat. So our buddy at Diamond Figs, thank you so much for, so much for the super chat, said Thanks, buddy. he's loving this. Thank you, Very man. simple, to the appreciate point. That. Appreciate it. I had it. McDonald's earlier. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. We appreciate it. Thank you. Good to see you. Thanks. So, um, I mean... First of all, thanks for sharing these clips with us and expanding mm -hmm. upon your experience yeah. there. Uh, and like oh. you said, if, if people haven't checked it out yet, check out Clayton's story on this at Scripps News. Um, but 
Anything else that you could take away from the atmosphere of the place or other people you spoke to that really stood out to you or, or surprised you on their takes about it or, or any bits of trivia, anything else you'd like to share about uh, all of this? Gosh. Um, you know, I think, I think it was just, just walking around and seeing, you know, like the, the dirigible that they, the, that they built for, um, uh, the last crusade, like hangs in the lobby, like <laughs> really all these things. Yeah. I, I think it was, I think it was just the the overall weight of this sense of of history, you know, just walking past the store where you know Return of the Jedi was edited or Empire Strikes Back was edited. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's it's sort of this this hallway where these these editing rooms were is is really kind of an unremarkable dark narrow hallway. Like it was nothing <laughs> particularly special about it. Um <laughs> but just the fact that uh you know, George would walk out of that door, go down that hallway, out that doorway, right across. He could go over to, to ILM to the to the motion control stages and see. You know, I, it it was it was neat for me because I think as a as a kid reading all these behind the scenes books and and trying to consume all the the behind the scenes you know features and documentaries and stuff that were ever put out. Like you watch those things, but until you go there and actually walk the halls it's it's hard to get a, a sense of the the day-to-day -day. and that's i think what i what i really got like it's one one thing to know where phil Tippett was you know building all of these creatures for return of the jedi like now it's now i know like the stairs he went down and where he got his coffee in the break room and like <laughs> where, you know, how people were laid out and how ideas were exchanged and and uh, and stuff like that, and and just knowing that this was the the nexus of all things Star Wars behind the scenes, you know, as a kid. Well, I gotta say, Clayton, I'm so happy that you got to go. <laughs> yeah, like, me too. I, you're I the perfect person to go. <laughs> I, <laughs> you know, funny, in my mind. It's so funny because I had never been there, and um, I, I I don't think I I appreciated how much history was still there. Like I mentioned some of the, like, you know, lights and, and Apple boxes and stuff like still say ILM stage on it. Like there's a lot, there's, there's things on the wall that say, you know, ILM model shop. Like, like there's a lot of, there's a lot of ILM DNA still there, um, both in the people and just the physical space. And so, and, and I don't think I really, I had no real appreciation for that. Um, and, uh, it's funny because when we were up at uh, shooting the interviews last summer for uh, for the, the interviews around when Light and Magic came out up at Skywalker Ranch, driving back down south, I actually got off the freeway and drove down Kerner Boulevard and just kind of looked over the fence just to <laughs> look and check it out, uh, having no idea that in a little more than a year it was going to be gone. I, I guess I would have uh, tried much earlier to, to try and get in the door and Oh, Check the place out, but uh, and it's yeah, only like it's, ten it's, miles or so from Skywalker Ranch or something like that, right? It's not yeah, far. it's it's not far. It's it's probably from from Skywalker Ranch. It's maybe fifteen minutes, fifteen twenty minutes. It's not far yeah. at all. Um, wow, but uh, yeah, and and I, you know, they never moved, never moved uh, ILM uh, to the ranch because there were like restrictions on how many employees they could have per acre up there, and they kind of needed to be. Uh, like more a little more accessible anyway so wow 
Um, I mean, just it's a remarkable story, and I'm glad when because like you, I'm I'm way more of a like I love the behind the scenes stuff. I love the yeah. J.W. Rinsler books, uh, all that you know, yeah. Empire of Dreams. Go down. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. Yep. Uh, I love all of it. So I think this you know, this type of story, you know, that you did and that other people do is so important because as we go on and time goes on and, and generations go on, there like a lot of this stuff is going to be forgotten if it's not documented or preserved in some way, shape or form. So it always like makes me feel a little better to know that there are, you know, archives and there are um, documentaries being made to remind people because just light and magic alone, you know, just uh, i learned so much about these people more so than yeah. like the movies and like yeah. w- w- you you understand the personalities and it makes you just fall in love with this stuff even more yeah yeah exactly. do, you ha- do you have uh like they're they're all different personalities and they probably all changed over time and stuff but do you feel like any of them uh like dennis murin feels like he has not changed a bit you know, and I know like yeah. Phil Tippett, he comes off like a little curmudgeon, uh, like a curmudgeon a bit these days and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, like, do do any of them still have any um, desire to be involved at all? Or is this sort of more of a look back, sort of look at what look back on our career type of thing? Um, what, what, what are your thoughts on the old, the old, the OG uh, ILM crew? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, in Murin's case, he, he is still, uh, I, I think technically some sort of advisor for, for various things. And he, he still uh, shows up every once in a while. Not, not a lot. Um, you know, I think they, I think like, especially in Dennis's case, I, I feel like he, you know, I asked him if he had any particular memory of the place that, that stood out to him. And, and it was like, I, I realized what a stupid question it was as we were at, <laughs> asking it because, you know, he spent 40 years in this building. Of course, you know, it's like, and, and then he started to say, yeah, it's been 40 years. How, how could I, how could I pick just one? Uh, and so, um, yeah, I, I think, I think they sort of feel like they, they had their, their run in a lot of cases and, and guys like Tippett are still doing stop motion for star Wars projects. Mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm. Uh, Mando, yep. Yeah, yeah. So still keeping still keeping a hand in it, and like I said, John Goodson, who built Ahsoka's ship, uh, yeah, he built uh, he he built the Razor Crest. Um, so you know, there, some some of the old uh, ILMers were still were still in, involved in some of that stuff, and uh, and you know, when they do do practical stuff, those are the first people they call. That's cool. All right. So, yeah. um, well. Uh, thank you for obviously coming back. First of all, it's always good. Yeah, to have you thanks for having uh, me. This is great. Yeah. Uh, and and sharing all this with us, the clips, the the stories, really taking us inside what it would be like to, be, to have been there. So appreciate that. And, and I'm hoping to uh, to take it's sort of a side project, but I'm gonna. We had so much material that we shot uh, that night. In fact, um, not not everybody that we talked to that night made made it into the TV piece. So. Um, I'm going to take a lot of those interviews and a lot of the other footage that we shot there and, and put it into like a longer mm-hmm. uh, video and post it, post it. Awesome. At Love some that. So, uh, awesome, so we'll get to that at some point. Excellent. Um, all right. That uh, takes us to the end of the show. So I want to thank everybody who joined us live in the chat or anybody listening on your favorite audio podcast app. Either way, thank you so much for being with us here today. Uh, special thank you to, of course, our patrons at patreon.com slash resistance broadcast and a shout out 
to our uh, generals and spice runners over there. Uh, Carmelo, John Reese, Jetta Rosewater, Frank Grande, Nick Kratz, Chris Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Danny Micromori, Matt Heath, Brennan McLaughlin, Count Pepto, Sneaky Zebra, Aaron Ellington, Colin Cormier, Jolton Jedi DiMaggio, Diana, and Dave Hornack. And then David Provis, Neil Shaw, Kendall Gellner, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, Michael Fry, and the Fort Worthian. Thank you all for your support and everyone who supports TRB. Thanks for hanging with us for our brief break and keeping the light on here in the base. Um, Clayton, so yeah, a reminder to everybody, uh, Clayton's next book, The Visual Archive for Return of the Jedi, is coming out March 4th of next year. Uh, congrats again on that, man. Very excited to pick that up. And obviously, hopefully we have you back on before that. But And his next, <laughs> next yeah, book is... The Casa Bonita <laughs> pop Casa Bonita, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bonita, history of Bonita uh, for sure. Uh, so, Clayton, uh, Scripps News, where else can people uh, find you and bother you? Yeah, ScrippsNews.com. You can uh, check out all our stories. And then uh, uh, threads at Clayton Sandell, uh, Twitter, <laughs> whatever they're calling Twitter these days, X uh, <laughs> at Clayton underscore Sandell. I'm, despite my better judgment, I'm still on there. Uh, I still <laughs> yeah, call it Twitter. Too, yeah, I still call it Twitter. Um, oh, and I see the comments from Horizon Brave. Yes, Skywalker Ranch is is safe. That's George's domain. So. <laughs> <All right>. No <laughs> landlord there. No landlord there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, and then uh, for me, Johnny Hoey on uh, all those social media apps of varying names and uh, my movie podcast, just like the movies. Uh, we just did an episode on the movie Halloween from 1978. And hours uh, away from being the birthday boy. Yeah. Yes. Well, oh. we stopped, yeah, we stopped counting at this point, I think. <laughs> but, yeah. Thank you, though. Um, Lacey, birthday. thanks, buddy um lacy how about you people can find me on social media at lacy gillerin on tiktok at it's lacy gillerin and if you're a patron you can find me right after this live doing a q a where we answer all types of questions um but yeah make sure you wish john a happy birthday <laughs> thank you thanks make lacy. him real embarrassed all yeah. day already happening just send him Taylor Swift songs all day and just like all right. Hey. <laughs> Easy now. They're gonna come after me. Uh I won't I won't make it till tomorrow. Uh James, how about you, buddy? Uh you can find me on most social channels at Myra Trunks. All right. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, like Lacey said, we're gonna hop right over to Patreon right now and get into the QA. You could ask us anything. Uh sometimes it gets uh interesting, but uh we'll see you, all of you over there soon. Clayton, thanks again, buddy. Always right, good guys. to see you. And uh to uh, everybody else, we'll see you next time with another episode right here on TRB. See you around, kids. See you around. <laughs>